Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast. Let me tell you how much I hate Windows 10. <laughs> well, you Windows 10 a- is, su- I know you're a Mac guy, you're an Apple guy, everything is Apple, everything is, um, you know. Aha, uh-huh, not everything. So you've actually, oh, you've actually said your, your car is not from Apple. No, yet, no, no, no. But actually on my MacBook, not everything is Apple. So I will tell you something you segued perfectly. So yeah, I have kept, I have, and I'll get to where we're going. I have had, um, <laughs> okay. since, I don't know, probably the late nineties I've had, I've tracked like all my like bank accounts and everything through Microsoft money, which they started out mm. like 95 or 96 or whatever. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> it's been awesome. Well, back in 2000 and I think seven or eight, they stopped making new Microsoft money. And then in 2011, they stopped supporting it like through like online updates or whatever. And it's just like, I haven't been able to find one that's better. I tried one for probably a year or two that was a Mac app Mm. and it was just clunky. It didn't work the same. And so I said, you know, the heck with it. I'm just going to, you know, I actually segmented my drive out. I have part of my MacBook that's set for windows. So it's kind of used as like a power book in a sense, but this app is from 2007. So like you can't have windows 10 on it. Microsoft money 2007 doesn't, won't work on it. So I have Windows XP. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I'm, I'm oh, hearing, hear I'm hearing oh, okay. that word and uh, I'm not sure if I'm yeah, fair enough. It's going to have it. Oh. You're going to be, you're going to be well, like a Marat. You didn't do it before. You didn't do it you're before. Gonna, it's you're creeping gonna be like, in now. It's a creeping. You're going to be like a Maraca band. This is going to be the only <laughs> podcast with its own Latin. With its own I, I Latin. Even, uh, I don't want to mention it because if I mention it, then that plants the seed in your unconscious and you'll oh, probably no. say it more. So either way, it's well, you've fine. Well, you already busted out the Maracas, so whatever. Anyway, so I, anyway, I have this. I, I, I'm using Microsoft Money 2007 mm-hmm. on a segmented mm-hmm. drive, but I have to use Windows XP because it's the only Windows that will work. Right, I understand. So, so what happened the other day? And I keep everything on it. I have investments on it, like, you know, every. I mean, literally everything. I can tell you yes. my exact network to the penny on this thing. So beautiful. The other day, I, <laughs> I go to load it up, 
I load up, I load up the, the segmented drive. It's called a virtual environment. I set, set that up and then I click on Microsoft money and it gives me some crazy fault message. Like yes. it can't load error X3, 2X3, X4, X2, X5, X3. And I'm like, oh crap. And then it kept saying it couldn't load. There was a problem with a DLL file, which is like, I don't want to bore the people out there, but DLL files, when they go bad, it means you got to, we got to reload the whole program. Right. Dynamic link loader. Yes. A dynamic link loader. So I'm thinking, <laughs> oh crap. Now I, gotta go fi- now I got to go find it. And I couldn't find the original, oh, like, God. Yeah, I couldn't find the original program on my computer. Cause I, and I normally keep everything. So then I have to go to my little network of file sharing sites. Mm. And I found a few of them. And then I got that. I downloaded a couple new ones and they wouldn't install. Mm-hmm. I hit the setup file. It wouldn't install. And I'm thinking, oh crap. Like this is, I am not, I don't know what I'm going to do because I can't even export it to another program, right? right. It's one thing having the program and exporting it. I can't even get into it. Mm-hmm. So that I, I was in last night and I was looking, I, was, I, I took the little error message, copied it into Google, looked it up, went through some forums. And one of the messages I got was it was, you know, I, it was taking too much memory to execute the program. And I'm like, uh, no, it's the only thing going. I mean, I'm looking at the memory on the Mac. I have nothing going on other than a browser. I'm mm. like, this is a joke. And then I thought I had my moment and where I figured it out. And it all starts with one assumption. The engineers at Windows are morons. <laughs> yes. So that's where all a solutions special are. kind of moron. A very special, like special education kind of moron. <laughs> And I thought, what do they always tell you when something goes wrong with your computer on a Windows device? Al, would you like to? Reboot. Reboot. So what did I do? I went in, and I'm not rebooting the computer because the computer runs OS. It's a Mac. Right, right. I had to go in and figure out in the virtual environment how to restart Windows. So I restarted Windows. Two minutes later. Yeah. Boom, it opens right back up perfectly. Right. Microsoft, like, I can't even tell you. Like, this makes me want to have a Mac even more. And then I kept thinking, with all the amazing apps we have, there's not anything that can hold a candle to Microsoft Money 2007. That's a problem. That was 13 years ago. And there's nothing that can do it. Nothing. I've tried them. I went to Mint. It sucks. I yes. went to Quicken. Quicken is like, you might as well just oh. say 1980s. Like, that's horrible. Like, Intuit, I don't get like, boy, talk about an ironic company name. Intuit makes that program. Like, are you kidding me? So anyway, I literally figured that out last night, and I'm like, no mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Oh, my God, I've been there, done that. I feel like you're telling me a story that I could have told you except I've never done Macs. I really, for some reason, people claim they're great. People claim they're intuitive. People claim they're the best thing since sliced bread with fresh creamy butter on it. But for me, I've never found them intuitive. I've always gone back. You know, I, I think it's because I started back in the day with DOS 2.1 and before that CPM yep. operating system. And I've always had I that. Know both of those. Yeah, I've always had that uh, that that prompt, you know, that uh, 
it's like a Linux prompt. It just sits there and waits for you to type in some cryptic arcane uh, command line sequence. But anyway. I started I, not, before it started blinking. There was a day <laughs> when it didn't blink. That's right. And then their big technical achievement was getting the little cursor, the little underline to blink. Right, right, yeah. Um, those people are probably, I don't know if they're still working at Microsoft, but they, they were probably, the blinking guys were probably put in charge of Microsoft money or something. But so just to, you know, I love chatting with you, Matt, because I feel like we have so many things in common. And yet, I feel like you've gone down a different path than I have. And uh, so I find that interesting. You know, you're a family guy, you're married, kid. And, uh, but we're both in San Diego and, and we both have a bit of a tech background, yet we also have some, you know, some experiences in real estate. Your, more, your experience is more positive than I, ha I am. Like I said, if I, yeah, I got lucky. If I had had an opportunity to meet with you in 2007, you would have, I would have saved myself a lot of grief and 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 torture. But here, let me just—I don't know if we're talking about tech issues, but let me. My whole life, uh, since I had, uh, you know, I I sort of became fascinated with computers back in the back in the day. Um, taught introduction to computers at the community college level uh as an adjunct professor and i just i found them very interesting but i i always it's kind of like a relationship that works but has issues you know and uh and so it's kind of like yeah i'm in this relationship with these with this technology and i'm in this relationship with these devices and Oh my God! You know they—they're—they're they're so amazing. Yet sometimes I feel like it's death by a ten thousand cuts. You know, just constantly something going on, like a like a roommate that you're, or, or or a relationship where or a wife or a girlfriend or whatever, where you don't really understand why they do what they do. You, you think you understand on some level and you, you're pretty, you're pretty uh, well okay with most, but there are some things that just drive you insane. Let me give you an example. Um, well, first of all, I try to keep my life as simple as possible. And simple to me is good because um, then there's less things that can go wrong with simple, but um, I have a, a, I like to go for a walk every day, about an hour. Um, I say like to, because it, it gets me out of the house. I get some exercise. It's a good thing for me. And I've got some steep hills around my neighborhood. Um, very nice neighborhood in Bayho, San Diego. But I just take, it's a very simple walk. Um, it's sidewalk, it's not hiking or anything. And I do the same route every day. But anyway, I've got a little MP3 player, an Amatic. Now, supposedly this thing will play video and it'll play, it'll take notes. It cost me less than $20 at Fry's. And the sound is great. It only holds eight gigabytes, but eight gigabytes is a lot of songs, you know, for an right. hour, two hour walk. It's fine, I got my headphones. Uh, I use the headphones, not the Bluetooth. It's plugged in, hanging from my neck. 
everything has to be just right for me. I, I'm a bit of an OCD kind of guy, but anyway, I dumped a bunch of songs on it a while back for my extensive list of terabytes of music. And some of the songs weren't all that great, you know. I just dumped them on there. Just, okay, I'll just dump a bunch of songs on. So I'm getting tired of the, uh, I get tired of the, uh, 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 the, you know, the, some of the songs and I don't want, I have to skip them. But anyway, let me get to, get, let me get to the point. <laughs> if I can. <laughs> My point is this. I've been telling myself for about a week or so now, I got to put some new songs in there. I got to get rid of this old, these old songs and put on some new songs. So I go to, I get my USB cord, plug it into one of my notebooks, and it doesn't show up as a device. It, it says it's charging, but it doesn't show up as a device. So long story short, about 20 different um, changes, I use it. I said, well, if, if it's connecting, it should show up as a device. I've unplugged ports. I've plugged ports in. I've done this. I've done that. I've done about 20 different things to try to get it to work just so I can load some new songs on. None of them work. And I'm frustrated. And then I said, well, what could it be? I've tried multiple computers. I've tried a couple different USB cords. I've tried different ports. I've done, I've, I've done everything I think I could do and that just will not come up. So I see, and I, I, I'm looking through some stuff and I see another cord and I go, well, this looks kind of an interesting cord. It's got the right adapter on it and whatever. I'll plug that in. So I plug it in and lo and behold, it pops up and there it is. So um, what happened was the cord was just defective enough that it would charge but it wouldn't connect. It wouldn't right. show up. It wouldn't adopt it as a device, right? And pop up like it is a, like it's a, a hard drive or a flash drive. So you can just, you know, copy and paste or delete the files. And it just made me think that, especially in the world of the entrepreneur, you know, you never know what kind of problems are going to pop up every day. And the joy and the agony of being an entrepreneur is like we said before solving problems and executing but these problems that come up i mean they can be people problems or they can be technology problems or they could be resource problems supply chain problems any kind of problem that pops up and it's the entrepreneur's job okay it's their mission, it's their job, and it probably should be their passion to solve these problems and get back on track to ultimately satisfactorily, optimally do what they need to do to accomplish what they need to accomplish that day. And I don't think anybody can do that better than the entrepreneur, really. The on, yeah. That is the entrepreneur's yeah. life. That is the entrepreneur's goal. And that is what creates success for the entrepreneur. But at the same time, they need to have the right mindset. Because if they think they're going to wake up in the morning 
and start their day, they're going to find it without problems, without people issues, tech issues, resource issues, issues that are whatever, maybe even issues that are going on in the world, like a quote, pandemic, unquote, whatever, if they think they're going to wake up and they, these problems are, are going to be, there's no problems that are going to be happening, they're living, they're, then they shouldn't be an entrepreneur. They should go to work for some big corporation and just collect their paycheck and, uh, and, 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 and live a happy life and, uh, and good luck, you know, uh, with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know what to say. It, it, it's, it's, it's always something, you know, it's always something. So yeah, tech problems, people problems, resource problems, and who knows, who knows what else. Um, so, uh, get used to it, get used to it, accept it, have the right mindset and, and, and keep, keep working towards that. I, 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 I just, I could give you so many examples. I have a, a client who was supposed who was doing a, a webinar um, and inviting people on Facebook to her webinar. And she invited me, of course, because, you know, she, she wants my help and so forth as a strategic marketing guy um, and as a business coach. <clears throat> so I knew it was coming up. I had the time scheduled to, to participate in the webinar and I'm looking everywhere that I don't see a link anywhere to connect to the webinar. And then five minutes before the webinar, one of her one of her people could be a friend or somebody that works with her. I don't know. Sends me a message on Facebook saying, "Webinar starts in five minutes. We sure hope you will join us." You know that kind of thing. And I still can't find the link. And I'm going like, "Well, maybe this is a Facebook thing. I or maybe I don't know what's going on." So I send a message to the person who sent me the message saying, where's the link? Send it to me or point, show me where it is so I can participate in this Facebook webinar. I get no response back. So finally I text her. I said, look, I'd, I'd like to participate. I've invited a few, pe a few people in my network to, um, to participate, but I don't see the link anywhere. And, uh, and then, uh, that's it. You know, it's just like one of those things you can, whatever project that you're working on, whatever strategy you have, you're always going to find as an entrepreneur that you're, I mean, the metaphor is kind of like you're spinning plates in the air and all the plates have to be spinning and, uh, and you just can't hire enough people or train enough people or have enough people to keep all those plates spinning. Plates are going to fall, they're going to break, they're going to crash. And the bigger your company gets, the more people you have, the more customers you have, the more potential customers you have, the more technology that's involved, the more these plates have to keep spinning and the more plates you have up in the air. And it's, uh, I don't know if people are familiar with that. Um, that kind of a show where the 
guy comes on stage and he's got a plate spinning at the end of a tall stick and it's spinning and then he gets another one going and another one going and then pretty soon he's got five, six, seven, eight or nine of these plates spinning on the top of a tall stick and or what have you. Maybe it's juggling uh, <clears throat> juggling chainsaws or something, but <laughs> you know, it's always something, right? Now, uh, so I would say that one of the key things in, 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 in being an entrepreneur is focus. You got to have that focus. You have to have that laser focus. You can't be distracted by shiny objects. Uh, it's, it, it's very difficult if you're, uh, if you're constantly uh, dis distracted by other opportunities. You really have to have that laser focus and commitment determination to, 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 to make it happen no matter what. It's whatever it takes to make it happen. And at the same time, you have to accept that it isn't always going to work out right. There's going to be things that you just don't have any control of, things that you just can't figure out. And that's the zen of it, man. It's just You've got to accept what is, but the other side of the coin is, is what can you control? What can you, how can you make a difference? How can you have a plan and make the steps of that plan work? And yes, you might forget that you might have hit a button on your phone, putting it into airplane mode without knowing that. Um, you may have... You may have planned a strategy to create an outcome and you find that the whole environment has changed now. Or you may find that your product, it just became obsolete because somebody else came up with a better one for one-tenth the price and they've got the marketing muscle to make it available through millions of distribution points or what have you. And your product just isn't going to sell anymore. You've got to figure these things out and you've got to be able to pivot and you've got to find a way to do it without going insane. That that's, that's pretty much what I'm, I'm getting at here. And that's part of the growth process. It's part of the, the, the evolution of your, you as an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, part of it, it's the expectation. If you're joining, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur because you're expecting things to be easier for you, boy, you're on the wrong path, buddy. Like, that's not it. That's like saying, I want to join the Marines because I want to get in shape. Like, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> and well, kill people. Well, well, fair, no, fair enough. But that like, that's a little different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like, no, 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 no. You got to understand what you're getting into. Like what you're getting into, this is, this is basically, it's a constant test to refine you every single day. And that test is, is psychic in a sense. It's going to find your weakness all the time. It's going to test your patience. It's going to test your maturity. It's going to test your resolve, your endurance, uh, your faith in yourself, your creativity, all of it. And, um, and so you have to get up, you know, kind of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to solve it. And the, and, the, and the interesting thing is, let's say all of a sudden you just do an amazing job, right? You just all, you don't realize that you're the next Bill Gates. Please don't do that. Um, or the next, 
or the next Jeff Bezos. Oh my gosh, why am I coming up with these analogies? How about find Elon somebody? Musk? Find somebody that's a decent human being, would you? Yeah, Matt, I saw. Please. I saw a picture. I saw a picture with a somebody put a picture of Elon Musk with Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and um, Jeff Bezos, and I'm like, I can tell you, Elon Musk does not want to be in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> Has he returned our tweet yet? Because you know we, no, we reached no. out he's, to him. He's busy. He's moving to Texas. You think, remember? You think? Oh yeah. To, moving yeah. is moving is the most frustrating, difficult thing you can do. Worse than sending a rocket into space and launching eighty-four satellites at one time. It, Probably it's, true. It's so it, it's it's a disrupt disrupts your whole life. It seriously, it's it's terrible. Um. So yeah. So anyway. So what I was saying was like. So let's say all of a sudden you become the next Elon Musk and everything goes your way and you're killing it and everybody's buying your product and you're a millionaire, then Elliot. 10 millionaire and a hundred millionaire. <laughs> well, guess what's going to happen? You have the, that entrepreneurial journey has its next level test for you because then you're going to have to be an HR manager and a leadership, you know, developer and all these other things and, you know, all these other things in your plate. And it's like, okay, now it's like, you're going to have to manage one person, then 10 people, then 100 people, then 1,000 people. And I remember my old company, we started, we, it was like 40 of us, 50 mm. of us. And next thing, you know, and, and we started growing really, really quickly. And next thing you know, there's 5,000 of us in multiple states. Even in San Diego, there was like, I think, six or seven locations. And it's like, you're going to have to, and then all of a sudden we went public. And it's like, all right, now you're going to have a test on like how well you do you know, doing road shows, selling your stock to institutional investors, making sure you're staving off like these bogus ambulance chasing um, SEC lawsuits, not SEC, but the people that sue on behalf of shareholders. Mm. Um, and it's like, it's always one thing or another. And it's like, you're never going to do it. It's, 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 it's realistically like saying, okay, I want to be a football player. Okay, great. And you get better and better and better. And then you keep getting put against more difficult like competition mm. you know and i remember when i first started doing i did it for a little for a while i was doing uh jujitsu and so i was doing okay i didn't know really i didn't know much what i was doing i just watched mma so that's about all i knew and i was doing okay but i was taught stronger than everybody and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they said all right matt we're gonna have you spar with chris over here <laughs> And I looked over here to my right, and there's this 6'4", six, 6'4", uh, six, Pacific Islander guy. I don't know if he's, if he's from Guam or wherever, but mm -hmm. this six foot four guy who's just yoked out, probably hasn't lifted one day in his life. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I could not move that dude at all. And he had skill and he was stronger than me. And I was like, yeah, it's over. It's done. But in order to beat him, I would have to be in that, you know, doing jujitsu, you know, really developing a whole bunch of skills to try to outsmart him or to try to find his weakness or do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what the entrepreneurial journey is like. It's like, it's not a matter of trying to make your life better. It's a matter of it's like, it's like those old Kung Fu movies where you like travel to the middle of like Southern China and there's a village with five people in it and you go there and you have your, it's like, have you ever seen the movie Kill Bill? They kind yeah, of, they, all, all, they illustrate it perfectly. So you get this guy who like, you know, is stroking his little Fu Manchu 
And it's like Master Poe, Master Poe, Master Poe. And and so you're going to have to, it's not about being a better martial artist, but it's going to test every five of your being. He's going to find your weakness and you're going to have to strengthen your weakness and you're going to have to shore it up. Mm -hmm. And that's really what an entrepreneur journey is. And so a lot of it, and we haven't even talked about this. We've talked about things that happen, but a lot of it is emotional. So let's say that you have a bad month, like it's going to test, it's really going to test and probe your emotional resolve. So if you have a bad month or a bad quarter or a bad year, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you respond to it? Mm. You know, some people are like, oh, this sucks. I'm never going to do it. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out and I'm worried. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. And then other people are just like, all right, let's calm down. It's like astronauts when there's something in space, you got to figure it out. Let's slow things down. What's the problem? Is it me? That's the first question you got to ask. Is there something I'm missing? Am I looking at this wrong? And you get as much feedback as you can. And then if you're, if you're getting the right feedback, you're always going to get the right answer. If you're seeking the right feedback, you're always going to get the right answer. And at that point, you can figure it out. So maybe, no, maybe people hate your name. Maybe your product's too expensive. Maybe your product's too cheap. Maybe they think it's you know, you're running a car detailing business and you're charging four bucks for a detail. Well, they don't think you're going to do anything. You know, they associate your price with the quality and maybe it works the wrong way for you. Uh, Maybe you have employees that are sexually harassing their customers. It could be any number of things. Uh, It could be just like any number of things, but being able to go back and I always talk about being an entrepreneur, your job is now you're the steward for the enterprise. And so you have to take a step back out of the enterprise and it may really make it not about you anymore and try to figure out, okay, what is the problem? Or if there's no problem, how can I make it better? How can I, you know, I'm, I'm selling a decent amount of products. Let's say I'm selling a hundred products, you know, a month. All right, well, how can I get a thousand? You know, and so you have to think, well, maybe I need to partner with somebody. Maybe it's a joint venture. Maybe I need to increase my ad spend. Maybe you know, it could be any number of things. Maybe I need to try to get on somebody's TV show or podcast, you know, could be any number of things. Maybe I just need to get out in a non-COVID setting and I just talk to people. I'm at home working all by myself. Maybe I need to go out and go to some networking events or some mixers at night, you know, some, you know, kind of entrepreneur happy hours that they have and do that kind of thing. You just never know. Maybe you need a partner that knows how to scale. You know how to get to where you're at, but you don't know how to get any further. And then the next person you bring is, is somebody that can actually get you to a higher point. And they've been yeah. waiting for somebody who's at your position and they just haven't met him yet because you're sitting at home eating Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, or maybe, maybe you're doing all the right things. You just need to keep doing it for a while longer. It's right. what they call the titration effect in, chem- in chemistry, where yeah. you add a drop, you add a drop, nothing happens. But when you hit add the fifth drop of the Boom. same thing, all of a sudden you've got a catalytic change. So maybe you are doing the right things, but you, you can't pull a, a plant out of the ground to check the roots to see if it's growing. You know, sometimes right. you have to have the patience to let it come to a boil or just to let it steep, you know, like a, a great cup of tea. How do you know? How do you know whether you need to make a change or you just need to let it steep? 
and continue as it's till it gets to the till it gets to a certain critical mass you don't you don't know you've got to go sometimes it's intuitive you can't there are many times in an entrepreneurial situation where you have to rely on your gut you have to rely on the intuitive feeling does it feel right because you cannot run the universe on logic it, it logic has its place systems have their place step-by-step uh, -step scheduling and planning and all of that has its place but you've got to be you've got to understand that there are going to be times where none nothing makes sense it's just insanity okay that you're missing some pieces to the puzzle and you look at the picture of the box uh, of what the puzzle's supposed to be. It says it's a it says it's a mountain scene, and you've got nothing but blue pieces. Okay, so you don't it, to you it looks like an ocean, but the box says it's a mountain. You don't know, so you've got to somehow you've got to be willing to let go, let it be what it is. At the same time, you want to stay focused on what you want to accomplish. You want to stay focused on your vision. Uh, and you want to be clear about what your vision is. Uh, so all you can do sometimes is just go look at different pieces of it and say, okay, does this fit? What's, what's standing out as a, as a bottleneck or what is standing out as what appears to be a problem? And Many, many times in, a, in an entrepreneurial setting or situation, you've got things that are naturally uh, opposite of each other. In other words, the people in quality control and the people in production are often competing, competing with each other. The production people want more widgets out the door and the quality control people want more widgets tested or they want more widgets that work properly, or they think that the defect rate on widgets is beyond a certain point that it should be, whatever. I, I you know, I've, I've, I've talked to entrepreneurs who, who were getting uh, uh, things manufactured in China, <laughs> just as an example, and the container comes over and the logo on every single one of these products, uh, widgets, if we'll just call them widgets, that were manufactured cheaply in China, is wrong. These people cannot spell English, okay? Right. They're wrong. And what are you going to do? Are you going gonna to change the name of the product? You know, <laughs> are you gonna? How are you gonna deal with it? How are you gonna send the whole container back and tell them, hey, no, you spelt the name of the product wrong after I told you what it was five times and faxed it to you and emailed it to you and confirmed the logo and confirmed the name with you. Somehow you still spelled it wrong and made it sound stupid, you know, on our product. And we've got ten thousand of these sitting in a container with the wrong name on them. So. <laughs> you know, if you're the kind of person that gets really emotionally upset every time some little thing goes wrong or some big thing goes wrong or something goes wrong of any kind, maybe you should do something else, you know.
because right. you will, your life will be miserable. You've got to go with the flow and you've got to realize that this stuff is just, just beyond your control sometimes. At the same time, though, I say, and this is the other part of my personality is, if you overlook things, if you don't plan properly, if you don't pay attention to details, you can count on a lot more things going wrong than you are prepared to, uh, to accept. So that is the whole Zen thing of it is, yes, you have to plan. Yes, you have to have a strategy. Yes, you have to be able to check and double check, okay? Uh, yes, you have to have it on paper. Yes, you have to have a blueprint. You have to have a crystal clear vision for where you want to go. At the same time, you always have to account for the X factors, the unknowns, that many times you are relying on other entities, whether it's logistics or whether it's the, the manufacturer of the product or whether it's 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 some vendor that you're using for uh, quality control or customer service or whatever. There are many, you know, entities. So who's who are you partnering with? You know, and are you paying paying attention to details? And then you just hope for the best. Really, hope for the best. You got to remember that when they launch a rocket, it's always off course. A rocket, when it's launched, it's always off course. But course corrections are happening every second. And that's what you're launching the rocket of your business. But keep in mind, you know, unless it blows up in the middle of the air, okay, which is not good, or maybe it never gets off the ground, it just falls over and sets itself on fire and <laughs> blows up or something. You've got to make these course corrections. And that means being aware and not getting emotional about it and just doing the best you can. And, uh, you know, sometimes it goes in your favor, but let's face it, a lot of times it doesn't. So kind of like insights into the obvious here with some of this, but saying it and doing it are two different things. And you always have to keep that in mind as an entrepreneur that what you imagine it to be and what it really turns out to be could be very different and most likely will. Yeah. And so I think two things that jump out when you say that number one was like, I think, and I was talking to my mom about this. I spend a lot of, there's a lot of things during the day, during our week, during a month where I, I always try to look at the situation and how do I respond to it? And I always have two words in mind, humility and hubris. Mm. And if hubris didn't start with an H, I would say temerity and humility. So if you want to do alliteration or rhyming, then either way. But it's like, you have to say, okay, is there a part of this that I don't fully understand? Or what can I control and what can't I control? And you have to have that, that honest assessment. And there's certain things you can control and you can't control. You'd like to think you can control. Maybe you can make a dent in it, but in the end, 
you know, you may, you may get in your car and say, well, I'm just not going to get into a car accident today. And your whole focus is not going to a car accident. And then some idiot T-bones you when you're going through an intersection, like you just can't control it. Mm-hmm. And I think in business, it's the same thing. You don't know if today's going to be the best month you've ever had in business or the most embarrassing pride shattering month you've ever had. You don't know if you're going to have this incredible inflection point. You called it the titration effect Um, or whether it's going to be one of these where it's just an endurance month where you just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, You just don't know. Yeah. You know, and like you look at the vaccine thing that happened with, um, you know, with COVID and my father-in-law is a toxicology scientist. So we were having this conversation and he was like, yeah, no, I, I, they're definitely going to have it this year. And I'm like, they've never had a coronavirus vaccine ever. They've never been able to do it. A, mm-hmm. The common cold is a coronavirus. Yes. And they've never been able to do it for whatever reason. He can answer why better than I can. And I just said, listen, you know, until they've done one, I am not betting that they're going to do the first one. Like if I tell you I'm going to run a four minute mile and I've never run one in my life, you shouldn't bet on me. But, but during the time, they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and learning and learning and learning, figure out what works, what didn't work. They stumbled upon something accidentally that worked. Hey, let's try it. Let's try attacking this problem from a different air, a different angle. Yeah. And there were many days and weeks where nothing happened. Where, you know, they get to phase one, phase two, it doesn't work. They have to start from scratch. Or they have 17 different, you know, realistically, they had like 17 to 20 different ideas and only one of them ended up working. And so in business, it's the same thing. You don't know which one's going to work. You don't know if your idea is going to work. You don't know how well it's going to work. Maybe it's going to be the greatest thing ever. Maybe you're going to be the next Uber. Who knows? Maybe you're going to mm. be the next Pets.com that, you know, with a little sock mm. puppet. Remember the guy? <laughs> it totally fails and flops, right? <laughs> But one of the things that was interesting you brought up before, you talked about like you said, and I thought it was a great visual. You said when you're planting a crop, you don't rip the roots out to figure out if it's growing. And there's a, it was one of the great lessons that I had. And I'm telling you, it's, 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 it, again, it, it fly, it, it kind of blends into this humility and hubris thing. Um, have you ever read the book uh, Anti-Fragile? No, I haven't, but it's on. Gotta my read list. it. Gotta read it. Put it to the front of your list. It's the greatest book that will teach you how to make good decisions and 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 do the right things in your life, so you have the outcome that you want to have. It's mm. it's a, and that wasn't the intent of it. The guy's a total data nerd, but that's exactly what it is. And so he was talking about one of the things. One of the things he talked about in the book is he said, you know, we're all kind of prone to try to get our fingerprints all over things to, to get, you know, to intercede in our own affairs too much. Mm. And so, you know, is something working? Well, I don't know. Let me go find out. Or let's say I'm trading stocks. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't know. This stock really hasn't done anything in the last week or two. I'm just going to sell it and just go find something else. And then as soon as you do that, the stock takes off and it's like, Oh, it's my luck. Well, no, you should have sat pat and just did nothing. And so there's this word and there's a, there's a concept in Greek. It's called um, the Greeks way back in like Socrates and Alexander the Great. They had, they called, they didn't understand, you know, like bacteria and viruses and things like that, but they had diseases and they called them iatrogenic diseases. And iatrogenic means doctor, that's iatra, 
genic means caused or born or created doctor created diseases. In other words, mm -hmm. you got this disease because you went to go see a doctor when you didn't need to. <laughs> so an example of that is like you go to the hospital because, you know, for one thing or another. And then when you go to the hospital, you get MRSA. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have got MRSA if you didn't go to the hospital. Yeah. You know, and then some people, it's like, you'll go to the hospital. Like I have friends of mine that would like, I had a friend of mine that got, um, had carpal tunnel, you know, syndrome because he sure. was a, he was an engineer sure. and he's just typing all day. Oh yeah. And repetitive the, motion so, injuries. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I have a doctor that kind of cures it without any surgery. He does some other things. Hmm. And he was telling me, he said that this, if you get surgery, what they do is they ended up just, they cut a ligament in your wrist because the, you have a carpal tunnel going through your wrist where all the nerves and blood vessels go. And mm -hmm. when it's, when it gets, when there's not enough oxygen, it gets inflamed because it tries to shoot more oxygen through it. Mm. And that tunnel gets narrower and narrower and narrower and it starts pinching the nerve. And so what the doctors do is they cut the ligament to widen it out. Okay. And I said, well, how often does that work? He said, ah, about 50% of the time. Oh, nice. So now you get somebody that cuts a ligament in their wrist and now 50% of the time it didn't solve the problem. Now they have scar tissue and all this other crazy stuff in their wrist and they still have their same problem. Yes. When, you know, maybe it's, you need to take a month off. Who knows? But maybe, or maybe just explore, do things a little differently. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you need to explore other opportunities. So, you know, cards play cards face up right now. So about two years ago, I was, I was gonna, I was getting a physical for my shoulder cause I had a little bit of soreness in my shoulder and the guy ran an ultrasound, you know, all over here and he ended he said, Hey, there's something around your thyroid that you might want to get checked out. And so I did. And it turned out that I had a growth on my thyroid mm. and you know, they didn't know if it was, they, they couldn't figure out if it was benign or, or, or malignant. They did a bunch of tests and finally they're like, well, let's just take it out. And so the guy, the surgeon calls me to schedule and he's like, yeah, you know, we'll go in there. And I just, you know, I might just decide I'm just going to take the whole thyroid out. Well, the problem is you take your whole thyroid out. You have to be on thyroid meds your whole life. And I just don't, I have no faith in where this healthcare system is going at all. <laughs> and so I don't want to be sitting here anchored to something where I'm, 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 you know, kind of, I'm dependent on something external as much as I and so I said, no, 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 we're not doing that. I'm going to get a second opinion. So I went to another doctor who kind of shared my take is you don't really want to do anything ahead of time. So we ran all these genetic tests on it. I mean, we went through like five, six months of different things. And finally, she's like, Matt, we've done every genetic test there is in the market. <laughs> like there's nothing. If, if it's malignant, it's a DNA sequence nobody knows about. Like <laughs> you're the first. Hmm. And I said, okay, well, I'll do it, but I need, a, I need a, you know, I want to know that you guys aren't going to take hold of the thyroid. So she brought the surgeon in and he goes, yeah, I hate taking the whole thyroid out. I don't like doing it. He goes, I'm, in fact, I'm going to take as little of the nodule out as I can. Mm. And it turns out they did that. They took that out and, you know, it took about two months for my thyroid to pick back up because your body has to adjust to not having part of your thyroid. So this thyroid does more of the work to you know, kind of compensate for this one. And I'm fine. My thyroids are perfect. Everything's in line. There's nothing malignant. I get it checked on all the time. And it's like, but if I had gone to that one guy, he would have cut the whole thing out. Yeah. 
you know? And, and, and part of it is you don't even know if that thyroid medication is going to work. I talked to the nurse after I got the procedure and she's like, yeah, the thyroid medication they give you doesn't always work. What? Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? I would have sure. been hypothyroid. I'd have been 500 pounds, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so a lot of times it's like, the question is when you have a problem and if you're an entrepreneur, you know, then there's not always a nail in search of a hammer. Sometimes the nail needs to be removed, not hammered down. Right. And so sometimes it's about finding a creative solution to the problem. Maybe the problem doesn't require action. Maybe it requires you to wait. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe, maybe it requires a, a better expert to be able to handle that problem. Maybe you've hit your Peter principle. And it's not just about, yeah. oh, here's a problem. Let me do it. Here's a plant. Let me rip it out to see if it's growing. You know, maybe you need to have somebody who knows a lot more about this problem than you do. Right. Especially you know? so, an expert, somebody with years yeah. of experience in dealing Some, with the well, same type. But they're of an issue. expert in that area. And it's like, I always tell my wife, I'm like, if we go out to a restaurant, like an ethnic restaurant, I'm only ordering that type of food. So like, We'll go to Filippi's, the Italian place, and they'll get prime rib. I'm like, why? They're Italians. Nobody in Italy eats prime rib. Like, mm. I've been there. Nobody eats prime rib. Um, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm not going to go to a Greek restaurant and order tacos. I'm not going to order a Chinese restaurant and order <laughs> spaghetti, although spaghetti did come from China. Um, it's true. That is true. They know noodles. Gonna... They know yeah. their noodles. But I'm Nobody not knows to... noodles like they know noodles. Like my sister put this picture on Facebook and she's like, oh, we're having fish tacos. My sister lives in Ohio. I'm like, I'm not eating fish tacos from a place in Ohio. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I want somebody that knows what they're doing. I don't want the Jeff Spicoli going, I have a righteous set of tools. Right. Like I don't don't need that. And so as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's you get to a solution and it's, okay, let's just hammer a solution down. We need to work hard and get it done. We need to get the website out there. Okay, fine. Brute force works sometimes. Sometimes it's a matter of, I need to learn a better, a bigger skill. So you're doing a video and you might need to learn about lighting or, and it's a solution that you can get better at. And then sometimes you get to a a problem that you just can't solve yourself. Let's just be honest. It's the, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Mm. Um, and you need to figure out how to do that. So maybe you're a, you get, you discover some really great thing and you need to figure out how to patent it. Well, don't mm-hmm. do it yourself. You yeah. hire a patent attorney. Like <laughs> the worst thing you could do is try to, is try to file a trademark or a patent yourself. Yeah. yeah by watching YouTube videos. By watching YouTube videos. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's like, what's the best solution to the problem? And as a business owner, you are the steward of your enterprise. And so you have to say, either I'm the best solution, I don't know who the best solution is, or there's obviously somebody who's a specialist who the better solution, best solution is, mm-hmm. and you need to figure it out. Like you could hire a web designer and do your website, and that's fine. They're great at what they do, but the, the website's going to look like their website wants, they want their website to look like. Exactly. Um, you, could, you could may not be the best marketing person. You could hire a marketing agency and spend a lot of money, but they're not going to really get the essence of what you're trying to communicate. Right. And it may be overly produced and people might think, oh, this, you know, it's overly produced and they don't trust you mm-hmm. Where you're shooting with your iPhone. And they actually it's totally not produced, but they actually trust you because you're like kind of a normal person. So in the end, it's like the question is, what's the right solution? And you have to take yourself out of it. And that's that humility versus hubris. Well, I'm going to get this done. 
boom, 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 boom. I'm going to figure this out. No, maybe you don't know. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, sometimes I don't know, like my computer, when that Microsoft money thing I was telling you about, I was like, where, okay, where do I take this? Do I go to like geek squad at Best Buy? Like who would even know the answer to this? There's no, there's Mm -hmm. no Microsoft store that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't know. And so I went to Google and figured it out. So, yeah. yeah. So, but it's like, in the end, it's like, it's, you know, it has to be, you know, boils down to the last thing we talked about. It's not about you. Al, it's not about you. Matt, it's not about you. Mm. What is the right solution? And maybe that maybe you can solve it the same day. Yeah. Maybe that solution is going to take a while for you to ruminate on. And then all of a sudden you're in the shower, you have all your Delta waves going in your brain and then it hits you. Oh my gosh, that's what I'm looking for. You know, maybe you're starting a business and you don't know your tagline or how you want to communicate your product to people. And then you're sitting in the shower and it just hits you all of a sudden. Maybe you need to wait. Yeah. You know, not everything happened has to happen immediately. You know, part of this we talked about is building, testing yourself, becoming a better person, shoring up your weaknesses. And a big part, and I speak for me mainly, is patience. Yeah. Are you willing to have this problem? Does it have to be solved today? Or are you, would, it, would you be okay if this problem got solved next month? And maybe you can't. Maybe, well, maybe you need to get it done now. Maybe you, mm-hmm. maybe you can wait a month. Mm-hmm. You know, are there other things you can work on in the meantime? Yeah. So. Well, I think that's, that's, that's an important point, Matt, in that I, I, uh, two aspects of that, of the problem-solving that I think are very important. Number one, are you, tr- are you doing your, are you solving the right problem? Does it need to be solved now? Okay. Or are you solving a problem because you have a thing about it or you just feel like you're good at it? You might be solving problems that don't need to be solved now, or maybe don't even need to be solved at all. So you've got to look at that very carefully. Number two, and I'm going to attach some uh, percentages to this, um, and the percentages are on a movable scale, but I would say 80% of your problems could be looked at as opportunities. You don't look at it as a problem. It is a problem, but it's an opportunity. So I would say 80% of your problems are opportunity. If your customers or your clients are unhappy, it's an opportunity to figure out how to make them happy. If your product isn't working as it's got some defects or whatever, it's an opportunity to, to improve your product. If your sales are low, it's an opportunity to figure out how you can multiply that by 10 or just boost sales or whatever. It's an opportunity. The problem is an opportunity. The other 10% is the problem is a learning situation. It's a teachable moment. It's a learning situation. So maybe it's not necessarily what you would consider to be an opportunity, okay? But it's it's part of growing. It's part of learning. It's part of educating yourself. And there's that aspect to it. And so by learning, by growing, by educating yourself, by understanding the nature of the problem, you either prevent it from happening again 
or you've opened yourself up to a whole new exploratory situation where you go, you get that aha moment or whatever, and you go like, oh, well, I'm, I'm definitely a smarter entrepreneur because I dealt with this. So that leaves 10%. 10% is just what you call a pain in the ass, okay? You, you're gonna have, you wanna solve the problem because you, you need to get things working right, or you, you need to just make sure that all the bases are covered. What, how, you know, I'm the, I'm the master of metaphors, but let's just say that 10% of the problems are just problems that have to be solved. You're not gonna learn much from it. It's not really an opportunity. It just needs to be corrected. It just needs to be fixed. And sometimes it's just looking at it and going, okay, you know, uh, who, who should I put in charge of this problem? Maybe it's not something you should be working on yourself. Maybe you, your time is better served doing other things. So I'll give you an example. I have a, I do have a website for my company, APC Marketing uh, Group. And uh, I, it, the website isn't really that important to me, and I haven't looked at it in a while. And, and I started getting spam from the Contact Us page from some Russian bot. And what really kind of uh, I thought was weird is the spam wasn't even trying to sell me anything. Or I was getting two kinds. One was, was there was a link, you know, go visit our link, which didn't even look right and uh, didn't make any sense and the other was just words inserted like they were testing their system uh of invasive <laughs> spamming so i went to my website to, to to fix it so i wouldn't get these spams anymore and while i was looking at it i go like oh wow there's a lot here i should really update and fix so i took some time and updated some of the pages and the verbiage and and uh, changed the stuff that didn't apply anymore and removed the contact us form and just said look if you want to get in touch with me here's my number text it or call me anytime and here's my email send me an email so what was weird about this though is that the contact us page had a little box that said i am not i'm not a robot but they were getting around that somehow so I found that interesting. So my point is this, it was a learning experience. I had an opportunity to take a problem and turn it into an opportunity. I had, I, I took a problem, turned it into something positive, which was updating the page. It's, it, it sort of gave me that momentum to update the page and which I wanted to do, needed to do. It's just been on the back burner. And uh, and then I and I solved the problem of being annoyed by these uh, this the spamming, you know. So that's the way you want to look at your situation as an entrepreneur. What can I learn from it? How can I turn this problem into an opportunity? And um, you know, is it really a problem, or is it just something that is that that's happening, and I can just maybe just let it go or it's just not that the priority is not that great right now i should be working on other things so uh that's i think that's important it's a, an important fundamental of being an entrepreneur yeah i think and again part of it is just is taking your taking your involvement out and being that steward so it's like if you 
it's one thing. It's like, if you're looking at like, let's say you have an investment portfolio and it's your money, you're going to make your decisions. But if you're like, you're, if I'm your financial planner and it's not my money, I'm going to look and say, okay, what does Al need? What's important for him right now? And I'm going to take the emotion out of it, you know, as opposed to sitting here going, man, I can't lose money. I can't lose money. What if I lose money? And then I, you know, you always do that right before you fall asleep just so you can never, <laughs> never sleep. But it's like, all right, well, no, let's take, let's take some steps out of it. Slow things down. Maybe have a beer or a cocktail while you're thinking about it or whatever. You're, you're just, you're kind of slowing your mind down to let yourself mm. start, you know, being able to absorb other ideas that you wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And you know, and part of it is, I think part of it is being able to figure out yourself, but I think part of it, just to be fair, and this is the humility part we talked about earlier was sometimes we just can't get past our own biases. And so sometimes it just requires, you know, just to reach out and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And be, you know, and, and look for the criticism, look for the critique and saying, you know, or I like it or I don't like it, or it's unclear or what do you do? You know, and you basically have a mini focus group and, and, you know, you're looking to learn not to have your idea validated. And I think that's where a lot of the business owners have problems is they ask people for feedback and they're really look, they're going like this, come on, show me the love, shower me with compliments. Mm. And it's like, no, like you want, you want to be, you want to be challenged. You want people to give you criticism, you know, like when I, when I was, uh, you know, for the longest time I was on a baseball team and I was the best pitcher on the team. And I said, I always told my team, I said, I don't want to be the best pitcher on the team. I want to be the second best pitcher on the team. You know, I want to chase the rabbit. I want somebody to like to push me, hmm. you know, being the lead dog isn't great because it's boring. You're at the front. You can't see anybody. Like if you're the head goose in the V formation, you're getting all the wind and you can't see any of your buddies. But like, if you're right behind him, then you have somebody to chase. And so, I think a lot of time in business, it's like, all right, what can I do to improve my situation? What can I do to get better? And I think you get somebody who's a peer or somebody who's kind of doing the same thing you are in, you know, in certain respects, and it gives you a sense on, you know, a focus on what you need to do. Maybe they're telling you they're getting up at six in the morning. Maybe they're getting up at nine, who knows, Mm -hmm. but maybe they're focusing on this. Maybe they're having a success in an area that you're not, you can pick their brain, but the ability to figure out weaknesses and, and, you know, what's the fault in the middle, um, you know, and being able to figure that out, it's a challenge that you need to overcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the key in there. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a market efficiency guy. So it's like, you know, they always say like in football, you are only as good as your record is. That's how good you are. And your business is only as your business, your profit and revenue is it's, it's nothing more than a reflection of, of the sum of all the decisions you made. So if you want to get better, more revenue, if you want to be more profitable, you just have to make better decisions. And maybe it's a decision that, a wrong decision that you made versus the right one. Maybe it's a decision that you haven't even had the opportunity to make. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just a sum of those. You could have all the revenue in the world and you could blow it and it could be very, very, um, be a terrible steward of your money and, and barely be profitable and maybe not even be profitable. Or you could be really profitable, but you're not really bringing much revenue in because you're just focusing on all the profit, but you're not focused on the revenue. But, you know, I think everything you do is is a summation of what you're doing. And, and in, and in capitalism, not to get broad here, but in capitalism, you just, you get rewarded for helping other people first, you know, and it's like, you look at socialism and communism, it's like, 
I'm going to get, I'm going to take care of myself first and then other people get taken care of. But in capitalism and like any small business owner, it's like my job is to help that other person first. So I need to forget about myself, get myself out of it. I need to set my insecurities aside or, you know, whatever I need to do and focus on that. When you start doing that, um, crazy stuff happens. Like I was talking to a friend of mine, a friend of mine I've known for 20 years and he had this fledgling little computer business, right? Worked out of the back of his house. He was a software development guy, total geek. I mean, you know, like he probably never left his house at all. And I was talking to one of my friends and he occupies like off the top floor of one of those top buildings in Mission Valley right now. He's like, yeah, Steve's business. He, he, he finally, he uh, created this software platform and he goes, and his business exploded. Mm. He goes, you never even, you wouldn't even like, you couldn't even imagine the difference between where he is now and where he is then. It's like, it's that titration effect or that inflection point. It's like, he's just going to work and work and work and make it better and better and better. And how can I make this better for my clients? How can I improve what's their biggest problem? How can I solve it? You know, paying attention. What's one thing that nobody's doing that, man, if I could figure that part out and be the first person to do what they're not doing, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And I think that's what he did. I imagine that's what he did. But he had that tritation um, effect that you had. Um, and you just never knew. I mean, he was working on his business for, gosh, I want to say it was like 10 to 15 years before he hit that point. You know, but if you had asked him back in like 2000, if you said, are you willing to wait? And I don't know what year it hit, but let's just say 2015. He said, are you willing to wait 15 years for your business to explode? Some people would say no. Let's be honest about it, Al. Some people would say no, that's too long. I don't want to be doing this for that long. And there's your problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a passion for the product, for the solution, for your for filling your customer's need. But some people would go, Yeah, sure. Let's go. I'm I'm all about the, you know, I'm not about I'm not about winning the gold medal. I'm about the workouts. I'm about the training. I'm about the competition and and all the laurels that come with it, that's fine but it's like they're about the journey and not the destination, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think people that are meant to succeed in business, they're about the, they're about the, the work, you know, the best person in any industry is the person that loves the work. The best guitarist loves jamming. It's just sitting here playing the guitar all day long. They never want to drop it. The best lawyers are the ones that just grind and study and read and, you know, do everything. The best public speakers, they're the ones that are going to Toastmasters. Not that it's about Toastmasters, but it's like they're just doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the best basketball players, they're, they, it's not like they just didn't care. They're the people that were out playing basketball at 10 o'clock at night when that's all they want to do. Right. And so they're going to get rewarded eventually because they're going to be doing things that the other people aren't doing. They're going to hit that titration effect at a time when other people are just hanging out watching Netflix. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the mindset of an entrepreneur is someone who really does want to challenge themselves. They see the challenge as being the game that they want to play. And they have a passion for something and they want to create an opportunity, an environment, a business around that passion. Or at least I'm thinking that's probably what they should be thinking. Um, If all they're thinking about is money and status uh, and power, 
they maybe they should just become a politician okay forget about being an entrepreneur because entrepreneur is about like you said it's about serving it isn't about being the master of the universe it isn't about being rich and famous it's about serving who you have chosen to serve by what you do and who you are i do think though that involved in that is a lot of emotion sometimes and even though emotion is important because it teaches you something, it, it teaches you something about reality, it's a, it's a source of information and knowledge, your emotions are. Um, at the same time, you, if you're making strategic decisions about your business, you kind of want to put the emotion aside. If you're making emotional decisions about your business, they might not be the most effective decisions you can make. And so I would say, look at how you're being triggered by what's going on. If you see yourself being triggered emotionally by something on an ongoing basis, you really have to take a good look at that inside and say, okay, why am I being triggered by the actions of this employee? Why am I being triggered by the certain dynamics in the marketplace? Why am I being triggered emotionally by uh, certain things that are going on? And take that out of the equation. If you can, take it out of the equation and say, okay, well, what's my strategy if I wasn't being triggered? What's my strategy if this wasn't pissing me off? Okay? And you might find a more effective way to deal with things if you take some of that motion out. Now, it's almost impossible to take all emotion out because we're human beings. But calm down, you know. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in what we're doing that we forget how we're being. and. Of course, it's easier said than done. When shit hits the fan and the fan is spinning very fast, there's a tendency to react emotionally and say, oh, well, my competition did this. Well, I'll show them. Or This particular customer is just an a-hole. He's never satisfied. She's never satisfied. They're always complaining about something. Maybe they should just not be a customer anymore you get angry there's fear there's anger there's there's disappointment um and that comes with the territory okay and some people are a lot more emotional than others some people are more numbers guys some some people are more strat strategic thinking um some people are just have been this is not their first rodeo. They've been they've been in doing this and for so long in some way that they it's just par for the course. You're not going to get upset if they have to challenge an alligator for the golf ball. You know, it's just there, right? <laughs> like that guy who was golfing. Did you hear about that story? He's in Florida, I guess, and he's golfing, and the ball lands like within a foot and a half of some alligator that's sitting there. He had to make a decision, you know. Is he going to go get the ball or is he not? He decided to go get the ball. So now he's like gone viral for his videos gone viral or something. But 
you know, that's dedication. You know, when you're going to challenge an alligator for your golf ball, that's dedication. But it's also a little crazy, too. So you got to decide, you know, are you super dedicated or are you just a little crazy, you know? But um, take, for example, everything that we're dealing with now with this pandemic, which people are, I'm starting to feel a change in, in the, the energy, okay? Because people are seeing, feeling like they can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, it's sad that so many people have died. Yes, it's sad so many people have gotten sick. And yes, it's that very bad that it's it had this effect on our economy and, and so forth. But we may look back on this in a couple of years ago. What did, wow, we, there were some good things that came out of this. I mean, I'm not just talking about advances in, in toxicology and, 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 and vaccines and, and testing the limits of our, of our uh, healthcare system and, and figuring out what new technologies we can use to connect with each other and, 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 and stress testing them and stress testing the internet and all that. Yeah, that's, there's always something, you know, it's just like when you, if you get sick and it stresses your immune system, sometimes there's good things that can come out of that because you accepted that challenge and you overcame it. So whether it's the pandemic or whether it's your business or whether it's your competition or whether it's your suppliers or your customers, look at it as a challenge that you can learn from. And when you develop the skills, the know-how, the infrastructure, the techniques, the, the resources to deal with it. And even if it's just making the best of it, look at that, like I said, like an opportunity, and you may come out of that situation stronger, smarter, better, maybe with ideas for a new product, maybe with ideas on how to serve better. If you don't look at it that way, you may as well just get out of the world of entrepreneurialism and go do something else. I don't know. Maybe a hobo, a beach bomber. I don't know. Go do something. Go to work for AT&T in a cubicle, um, answering, attempting to help people with their problems uh, because their phone isn't working right or their computer isn't working right. Or go get some mid-level manager job where all you have to do is look get up in the morning and maybe you work an hour a day. The rest of the time you just playing uh, games on your computer, you know, because you're stuck in some uh, cubby hole of a situation where nobody really knows what you do or cares. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, those are options, you know, yeah, those are all options. Know, being an entrepreneur. If you, if you can't look at it that way, you're just going to be miserable. So go find another place to be miserable where you have a, at least a guaranteed paycheck. That's all I'm saying. That's right. And, and if you're listening to this and you're like, all this stuff is terrible, sounds horrible. I just want to punch in, punch out. My friend Phil told me that one time. I was asking him, I was like, do you ever want to start a business? Like, no, I just, I just really just want to have a job where I you know, have set hours. And All right, whatever. Well, it's let's all- face it. That's what the majority of people do. And, 
you know, that we need those people to do that stuff, or at least until right. they're laid off and they go do something else. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, listen, we need employees. We're going to need future employees and we're going to be there. <laughs> I'd rather be at the high end of the, the ladder than the low end. So yeah, sometimes you yeah. just got to build a new ladder. That's how I looked at it. Make sure your lat. make sure the ladder of success is leaning against the correct wall. You know, there's so many people that are climbing the ladder of success. And when they get to the pretty close to the top of the ladder of success, they realize that that's not the ladder they should have been climbing to begin with. Yep. And that's not, no one wants to live a life of regrets. Okay. You got to be honest with yourself. Brutally honest. Brutally honest. I'll give you an example. For many years when I was in IT and uh, uh, when I had my own company, uh, computer services, there were times when I would sit there and I'd go, oh my God, I wish I just owned a little cafe, coffee house place where there was live music. And, uh, you know, I had employees taking care of everything and people were drinking coffee and I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was just came to work every day and say, how do you do? How are you? You know, I just have this wonderful social situation. And I had that fantasy for a long time, <laughs> you know, oh, just if I had just had a cafe with a live music venue and, you know, that would be so cool because I'm a musician and I just thought, you know, every night I could jam with the next jazz band or blues or whatever. And people would come there and just enjoy themselves and I would enjoy myself. This is an incredibly elaborate fantasy. <laughs> right. And I talked to a friend of mine and he said, oh God, you wouldn't want that job. He said, it's you, first of all, you're never going to make any money at all. You're always going to be in debt. It's probably going to take your life savings to get it started. And um, you get there at 6 a.m. every morning to unlock. You got to clean the place. You got to do this. You got to do that. And uh, I, don't, I don't think you would really enjoy it. So I had this fantasy about what I thought it would be or could be, but not having the experience of ever having done it or even at working as a, in a, a, you know, as a, uh, what are those, whatever they call those people that work at Starbucks or I had never done it. If I, if I had, if I had actually applied for a job in one of these places and worked there for a while, I would have been able to see what it was really like instead of this fantasy. But one thing has occurred to me, because of this situation with COVID and the pandemic, um, obviously, if I had done that, it would have come to a screeching halt now. You know, it probably would have gone out of business because who's going to coffee houses and sitting and listening to mute live music anymore? Nobody's doing that. And right. would my business have even survived? No, I probably would have had a huge overhead in rent and no customers. And, uh, and, and, and no music. And, uh, he probably just would have, uh, probably just would have failed and, uh, cost me uh, a tremendous amount of money. Um, even the ideas I had of it for it were great. I thought, you know, um, I had different things I wanted to call name it and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so I would say an interesting interesting part of this pandemic is 
it's a reset for many people. Think about it. There are many people out there that had a fantasy about doing certain things or living a certain kind of life, and this comes along, and just forget about it. You can't, that fantasy is not going to happen, okay? Now, I'm sorry that all these restaurants are going out of business, including huge chain restaurants and what have you. I'm sorry that that's happening. Imagine what it's like having a restaurant in New York, for example, where you were just doing fantastic and making tons of money, you know, working 12 hours a day. And yes, you had a lot of employees and all that stuff, but you knew your business and you loved it. And now it's not happening, okay? So yeah, I mean, but there's another aspect to that is, and I call it facing reality, which is there's a lot of people out there that I thought, I think wanted to, uh, had this fantasy about doing something and this has been a total reset for them. There's something to be said for that, I'm just saying. There's something to be said for giving up the fantasy and dealing with reality. Right. Yeah, and I think I think part of it too, like, and I don't know, it's kind of the way I look at it. It's, I always thought, and maybe I'll do it someday, but I always thought it'd be kind of cool to like have an Irish pub or something, just some place mm-hmm. where you can, you know, kind of ratchet things down a little bit down the line. And but then COVID hits, and it's like you realize, man, if I'd opened that up two years ago, I'd have been it'd be over, right? And so you start to think, and I was talking to my mom about this yesterday and people are like, you know, we're talking about this whole, the, the whole hubris humility thing. And I'm like, people think, because my mom's 73, she's like, man, I'm not worried about getting COVID. If I get it, I get it. I know where I'm going after I die. I'm not too worried about it. Hmm. And, but people are like, oh, like, oh my gosh, we got to make sure we don't get COVID and we got to get past it. You know, this is a once in a century thing. I'm like, uh, you don't know that it won't happen. Another disease might come around two years from now. Exactly. You don't know what it's going to be. So you kind of got to, for lack of a better term, fireproof your house, fireproof your life in a sense. And so the question is like, and this is what I learned out of the, out of the dot-com bust and the nine 11 bust and all that stuff for mm. the great recession mm. was it's coming again. Like, make no mistake, it, like, you had the 70s as a, as a whole, pretty <laughs> as much a the whole. whole, as a whole, the decades, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you had, as an a-hole, the, yeah, it was just one giant, blah, like, there's some good parts of the 70s, the economy was not one of them, um, right. and then you had the, you had the savings and loan crash in 87, so I remember just, that. Let's call that 17 to 20 years, roughly, between them. And then you had 9-11. So now you're down to 13 years. And then you have the Great Recession. And that's down to seven years. And then we kind of had a malaise for a little bit. So, and, but then we're at COVID at 2020. So you're really at like, let's say that went from 2008 to... Yeah, it was like 2008, early 2008 to like 2011, 2012. So now you're down to another eight years. The periods are shrinking. So the, number, right. so the question is, if I know that pattern's existing and it's flattening down, 
I need to be, my job isn't necessarily just to make it through this. Yeah. Think, oh, I'm clear. This is never going to happen again. Right. Well, this may never happen again, but the that will happen again. Right. Would you so like to I, know? Would you like to know what's going to happen in, after COVID is taken care of in approximately two years after COVID is, is handled? Sure. The sun is going to have an electromagnetic pulse and all magnetic media in the world will be reset to zero. Okay. So everything that is magnetic will be set to zero by a electromagnetic pulse from the sun. So that we'll be dealing with that. <laughs> all bank accounts will be wiped out. All, all the internet will be down. Uh, you know, it'll be the it'll be the apocalypse, right? I mean, everybody will be back to rubbing sticks together, lighting matches. You know, no cash registers will work. The phone system will be down. Everything will have to go back to like square one. So you know, it's people that have some data on optical media will be able right. to be restored, but anything that's magnetic will zero out. So nice electric electric magnetic pulse from the sun. So I'm going to show you something that's really interesting. So let's uh -oh. do, um, I'm going to share the screen with you in a minute. Yeah. So only uh, YouTube people will be able to see this. The, uh, yeah, only people YouTube on Spotify people. will not see it. So. And I'll, and I'll, and actually for the people on Spotify, I will, uh, I'll kind of verbalize it. You kind of know where, yeah. um, uh, what we're talking about here. So, okay. And I'm just loading it up real quick. Let me get screen share. Just you guys can walk along with me, so you're not just blindly listening. Where is this? This. Is, I hope this is good. There it is. It is good. Okay. So, <laughs> one of the things that one of the things you ever you heard about Atlantis, right? And people are trying to figure out where Atlantis is. Many people well, are. Yes. Well, with the satellite technology, they've actually they have a place where they're like pretty much ninety nine percent sure it's your Atlantis. It actually matches every single description that Plato gave for Atlantis. What about the song? What was it, Donovan? You know, the song about Atlantis. I don't know about that. Oh come on, you've heard that song. I don't know who's Donovan. I don't know Donovan. Oh my God! Okay, I've dated myself. I know Donnie and Marie, and that just dated me. <laughs> Donovan and Marie, that would be a good combo. All right. So anyway, they, they right, went, so when the satellites started going in, I mean, it was like a boon to everybody. Everybody started mm -hmm. looking at different things and mm -hmm. finding different things and looking at things from the air. Mm -hmm. Well, they ended up going over Mauritania and they sure. found this, they call it, what do they, I forget what they call it. Um, Oh, I forget the name. Did they of it. find a, one of those obelisks there? You know, that no, but they turning? found this thing. Atlantis, <laughs> if you remember, was 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 um, concentric circles. I did not. And know. So they, yeah, and so they found this. They call it the Eye of something or other. I forget. It's hmm. the Eye of something. Well, it turns out that literally this whole thing here, the measurements of it, the width, everything, the location, mm -hmm. how to get there, matched everything that Plato had. And wow. so when you Plato. look at things. So this is, they have a kind of like a 95 to 90%, 99% certainty this is where Atlantis was. Mm. And when they say the waters came in and it went under in one day, you can see the path of basically where the waters kind of went into the ocean. You can even yes. see like from left to right or right to left, you can see the path that it basically wiped everything out. 
Mm. And so they went there and you look there right now and it's just completely destroyed. So you go to this, I'll give you an example. You go on the ground and if you're on the ground in Mauritania, which is like, it's a really repressive government. So not a lot of people go there. Um, that's by the coast. Let me, oh, actually, let me go to Google images here. The people on YouTube are going to love this. Mm. Um, and there's actually, <laughs> hold on. There's, there's, there's a, uh, we'll get, we'll drag a picture over cause there's people that tag geotag pictures. Amazing. We need this. I'm there eventually. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get the street view of ancient Atlantis. Yeah, Google pretty much. Maps. See if we can find it here. There's usually, I'm not sure why it's not dragging, but there's, um, but anyway, there's, there's pictures of, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, when you look at it from the ground, I can't get a picture on here. I, I used to be able to get it on here. It just looks like kind of like what you see up here on the top left. It just, you can't, it's so, you're so looking at the micro that you can't see the macro. And so anyway, the reason mm-hmm. I bring it up is that people said, well, you know, there's no proof of any civilization of Atlantis. And it's like, well, yeah because it's wiped everything out. And so they said, well, one of the things that they learned from that after Atlantis is when they started building the monoliths and the megaliths, like those Mm -hmm. big stone etched things, because they wanted to leave a, a trace that was, that would survive a cataclysm. Mm. And so when you look at all the stone, like Stonehenge and look at all the other things that are, that are like etched in stone, that's how we know kind of, you know, even the Egyptians did the same thing. It's like, yeah. they're going to go survive a flood or whatever. And they said, well, think about it. If you had today's society and Al, your thing that you just described where the sun comes in and just wipes everything out or you well, have a flood come in. Yeah. 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 And somebody found a hard drive, right? They wouldn't know what it is. They wouldn't know what's in it. They couldn't mm-hmm. get the data. They couldn't tap into any of it. Right. But you, you would need something, like you said, an optical drive or an opt, some, something physical to be able to tell what it is. Like when we, went to, when we launched the satellite out of the solar system, it had, remember it had that gold record? Mm-hmm. And it had like things where you could actually see what was on it. And it showed you mm-hmm. how to play it. And, um, but anyway, the, the long and short of it is you don't know what's going to happen in a few years. You could have that thing come in and, and wipe out like a giant EMT and wipe out and not EMT, and EM, EMP, not EMT. You don't want a giant ele- uh, emergency medical technician. That's not good. <laughs> that but would be a surprise. Yes. A, a you could have an EMP. EMTs from an alien planet show up. Yeah. You could mm-hmm. have an EMP or you could have um, a solar event happen where it wipes out everything. Uh, you could have another. You could have another virus come in. You just don't know what's coming in, mm-hmm. and so what you need to do is you need to basically prepare. So if you know that's the case, and all your money's in a bank account, and that EM, EMP, I keep having to say that, so I'm not talking EMTs. The EMT comes out, <laughs> then EMTs you need to make sure. Thing. Well, you need to make sure that you have money available. Right. And so when COVID hit, that was one of the first things we did is we got cash out of our bank account, stuck it in our safe. We bought some silver just in case, you know. You needed silver for some reason. Just, yeah. Well, we run out of money. We have something small, small denominations that you can trade on it. Uh, Hopefully. We went in and we have, we have a whole bunch. We're stacked for food and, and everything in the event the supply chain has an issue again. Mm-hmm. But you need, to, you need to basically prepare for the next event. And so I know you had said this, you'd like, oh, I wish I would have met you earlier on in my real estate, but it's like, all right, <laughs> that's fair enough. I wish I would have, I wish if somebody would have told me in the nineties to invest in Amazon, like, come on. 
I wish somebody would have told me to save all my tra- GI Joe toys, and I would have ha- that, that eBay was going to be created. I would have made oh, tons yeah. of money. Oh yeah. And but, but we can't do that. So the question is, what do we do for the future? As an entrepreneur, you need to protect your business, and you need to plan for the next event on kind of what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. We talked about in prior episodes, Toys R Us never made, never took advantage of e-commerce, and they got destroyed. Yeah, because they didn't go e-commerce. So the question is, if you have a business, what are you doing to like, what's going to happen in five to 10 years that you, that you can forecast now that you can prepare for, but then personally, what are some things that are going to happen? We know that the, we know based on kind of what we talked about, the number of years between economic shocks is, (laughs) is shortening. Yes. So you have to prepare for the next one. Yes. And so you talked about real estate. Real estate's crazy <clears throat> expensive. I, I'm telling you, in the next year or two, you're going to see a big glut of properties on the market because you have all these people who invested in uh, residential real estate. Their tenants aren't paying. They're not paying their property taxes. They're not paying their mortgages. They're either going to get foreclosed on or, the, or they're going to have a tax lien forcibly put on their property. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to get out before any of that hits its zenith. And so I think there's going to be an opportunity in the next year or two to buy real estate at a big lower price. Mm -hmm. So if I'm sitting here and I have money to buy a house right now, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait a year or two because I think there's going to be a better opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I was telling one of my friends for the stock, he's like, oh, I wish I would have invested five months ago. I'm like, you have no idea. We haven't, the money that's to be made hasn't even happened yet. Like you need to put your money in now. And quit worrying about what you lost because there's always something that you can do because you need to think what's going to happen six months from now. The virus, you're going to have like what, four to five probably vaccines that are on the market. Yeah. They're going to be distributed all around the world. If the old people don't die, they're going to get the vaccine, <laughs> you know, but we're going to be past this pretty soon. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing I always tell people. If you're dating the wrong girl, eventually you're either going to get, you're going to break up or get divorced. One of the two things is going to happen. But if you're dating the wrong person, she's not going to be in your life long term. So just understand mm-hmm. that there will be a time mm-hmm. where you don't have that in your life. And mm-hmm. so what do you do to plan for the next one? So for me, I'm, uh, there's a number of, there's a, without getting into detail, there's a number of things that I'm planning on to try to insulate myself from the next one. But I'm trying to see, I'm reading the news. I read this morning, they said that, you know, they said that um, tenants are panicking because at the beginning of the year, there's going to be a huge, supposedly a huge influx of evictions happening. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that are like panicking. I mean, there's going to be a, there's going to be a ton of open apartments. If you haven't been able to find an apartment, you're going to find one in January or February. Everywhere Um, except San Diego. But there's people that are that are leveraged to the hilt who can't afford to pay their property tax bills or pay their mortgage, and they are looking for somebody to take that property off their hands. That's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, this whole this whole pandemic uh, situation, uh, as complicated and as difficult as it is, has been for some companies. Uh, a tremendous opportunity. I don't, obviously for Pfizer, uh, it's been great. And for Moderna, Moderna has been great. Uh, And and for Zoom, it has been great. And if you look at the stock market, it's just insane how much it's gone up. Um, 
I mean, it's almost to the point where I think I I I'm thinking that I, sometimes I think that this whole thing is was a social experiment, social manipulative experiment uh, that that was initiated by whoever certain certain entities because it's just too weird um, how some people are benefiting so much from it and 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 others are not. Um, and also, I was thinking the other day, and this is a little off the subject, but they talk about, you know, the media keeps talking about how many people have died from COVID, but they never break the stats down. I mean, if somebody is 89 years old and they're, let's face it, I mean, they're exiting stage left any time now, and they happen to have COVID when they die, they call that a COVID death. And other weird things too. I saw this article where this guy got COVID and they had to cut his foot off. No, what a minute, what? Why would they need to cut his foot off because he had COVID? Maybe he was a diabetic and he'd let it go and his foot atrophied and uh, you know he got an infection and he didn't treat it and they had to cut his foot off. And while he was in the hospital waiting to have his foot cut off, he caught COVID. Right. So the article says he caught COVID, they had to cut his foot off. What the, you know, most of the information we're getting now is just weird, distorted, unsubstantiated, and doesn't make any sense. And nobody, nobody out there is really taking the time and making the effort to really look at this information and and determine what what part of it really makes sense or is accurate. You, you know, it's just everything. It's just it's it's like all the media just wants to fill the space. They just want to fill the time. They want no dead air. Okay, so whatever it is, if it has something to do with COVID, they just put it out there. Okay. Nobody's fact checking anything. Nobody's really looking at real in, real data. It's just doesn't make any sense. So um, it's kind well, of like and I, and I, when, you're, when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to know what's real, you know. And it's only going to be several years from now when we've had a chance to look back on this. But really are going to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff, if you get what I'm saying now. Yeah. So I was, uh, I've actually, you know, on my, on my stock podcast, I, I, I go through the COVID stats all the time and San Diego, mm-hmm. our paper has the best COVID dashboard in the country that I've seen. I mean, maybe there's a better one. I just haven't seen it. I've seen, I've looked in multiple States. I've looked at the CDC, just the ability for them to break down everything that you'd want to know is amazing. And so one mm-hmm. of the things that's on there is that like everybody that's dying is like 85 like there yeah. was somebody that was 102 the other day. Like, you know, you know what, you know what gets 102? You know, somebody that's 102 to die. Like, like um, an ill-placed elbow. <laughs> like you a just, fly lands on their shoulder. Yeah, like it just the wind blows the wrong way. That might knock him over and do it. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's it's funny just looking at the same thing. Everybody has precondition. Everybody has existing conditions. Everybody's right by the border. Everybody's old. I mean, it's like, it's kind of a really, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty consistent statistic. And it's like the average age for somebody that dies 
with or of COVID is older than the average person that dies, period. And so, you know, you look at it and it's like, all right, well, you know, would they have died anyway? Maybe, yeah. you know, did they die with COVID? Like in other words, did they have a, a pulmonary edema and then they do a blood test and they find out they have COVID? Well, the hospital gets paid for that. Yes. But what's crazy is I was looking at the stats where they were looking at the hospital, um, the hospitalization. And just as a visual, the amount of hospital beds in use across the county is relatively flat. Okay. And when the COVID cases started going up, the beds remained flat and actually went down a little bit. Hmm. So what that tells you is everybody who was in prior to the spike in COVID cases, everybody who was in the hospital for, let's just say a broken leg, you know, pick something out, went to the hospital. Hmm. But then mm -hmm. as soon as the cases started going up, there was a drop in non, a noticeable drop in non-COVID hospital beds being used, right. which means people are not going to the hospital. They're not getting their cancer, their operation. Or right? their facelift. <laughs> well, fair enough. It could be anything, but like they're yeah. not going in anymore. Yeah. And so why are they going anymore? I think you nailed it right there is because they don't want to get COVID in a place where all the COVID people go. Exactly. I mean, I, uh, a couple months ago, uh, I was, I was, I, I dislocated my shoulder. Somehow I just really, I, I strained or snapped a ligament in there. I could barely move my arm. I was in terrible pain. And uh, I thought to myself, should I go to the hospital? And or, which, you know, is an elaborate process of seeing your primary and then being referred a couple weeks later to go to specialist and then whatever tests are required just so they can come back and tell you, well, there's really not much we can do. You know, it's like a cracked rib. You know, you go to the hospital for a cracked rib. They're going to tell you, well, just just be careful and maybe wrap some bandages. Yeah, and wrap some bandages, take some uh, Tylenol or something, you know because they won't prescribe any really good pain meds anymore. So I thought to myself, no, I'm just going to, maybe it isn't that serious. I'm just going to take it day by day. And it's, and it was painful. And then it was, you know, preventing me from moving my, I couldn't even reach up to, to, you know, grab something up here like this, but I just let it go because I did not want to go to a place where all these people are coughing and sick, you know, with COVID. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. And after a couple of, literally two months, it's healed. And I also dropped a cement brick on my foot, barefoot, uh, long story. And that swelled up and I thought I was going to have to call 911. And I put some ice on it and that healed faster than my shoulder did. So it, that's fine now. So um, you know, I, I guess what it comes down to, uh, sort of what pops into my head right now, if you're an entrepreneur and you're dealing with a difficult situation, a problem, uh, don't take a good look at it before you make it worse. Don't make it worse by taking some haphazard, off-the-cuff, emotional reaction to what's going on and 
and and make it worse okay really take time to, to take the time to look at it carefully and rationally not emotionally like i said before look at it as a as an, a learning opportunity even if it's a personal just personal growth learning opportunity are you can you be a better person as a result of this and approach it that way because if you don't you may find that you're making what wasn't really a bad problem into a terrible problem right if you know if if, if the third lead, leading cause of of death in this country is due to medical mistakes or being in a situation where you catch MERS or something because you went in because you had a, you know, a infected toenail and now you're dead, you know, or they're operating on you and they're removing the wrong thing because they're incompetent or they're too busy or they're overloaded. You made a bad decision. You made a bad decision. Think more carefully about it if you get an opportunity again to make a decision. Yeah, and you want to make decisions that are reversible too. And that's when I was telling you about the whole like thyroid thing. It was like it was an irreversible decision. You can't go back and say, okay. And so if you can do something that leaves yeah. you and, and that book, um, Anti-Fragile, definitely need to read it. Um, mm -hmm. He always says one of the goals in any decision is you want to retain, and this is his little nerd way of saying it. He says you want to retain as much optionality as possible. Right. So give yourself the ability that if you make a decision and it goes sideways, that you have the you still have as many choices in the future as you ha as you can. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, you might have a cracked rib, but if your bro like my brother got MRSA in a hospital, like I'll think oh twice about God. that. My mom nearly died of a flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. Like they say, flu vaccines are safe. Uh, you should go talk to my mom. I beg to differ. Um, you know, it's like, so, okay, well, maybe I want to do things that like give me the ability to have a mulligan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I have a cracked rib. I'm going to go to Google first. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look at my network and say, is there any doctors that I know? I might go to YouTube and see if there's like a medical doctor that has a YouTube channel. Um, can I suck it up and deal with it? I mean, to, yeah. honestly, yeah. Like if I can do that, that's fair enough. It's like, if I start to notice that I can't breathe, that's one thing, but like, I can suck it up and deal with it. So be it. Mm -hmm. um, but you want to give yourself as many chances as possible. And for an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. It's like, you don't sit here and go, and I, I've done this before. So I'm like the first person that'll tell you, don't do it. Is mm -hmm. you're, you have a platform that you're working on. And then one of your friends says, you know, you discover one of your friends has a platform that's much cooler and nicer and sleeker than yours is. It's like, and then you spend the next three to four weeks migrating everything over. <laughs> Yeah, And it's like, meanwhile, it's a zero sum game. So it's like the time you spend migrating your platform, you're not producing content. You're not, you know, doing anything to make products better. Mm -hmm. You're just doing it for yourself. And maybe a platform is better. Maybe it does. Maybe it saves you money. Maybe you can put everything on one platform. So be it. Great. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to do things you want to examine all the options before doing it and making sure that it's the right decision. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? As people, we suck at decision-making a lot of the times. Good decision-makers are good at one thing. They're good at, they're, they're good at corralling themselves 
and keeping themselves from making dumb decisions. Mm. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield, the coach of the Browns, and I, they said it was a quote from the Big Lebowski, and I've never seen that movie, so maybe it is, but they asked him, he was playing better, and he goes, well, you know, what do you attribute to playing better? He goes, well, I just kind of look at myself and I say, what would an idiot do in this situation? And whatever that answer is, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that's a really good decision making thing like right what would a right. dumb person do here and then just don't do that like i have a brother i grew up and he was a computer science guy like he mm. he did fortran and c plus and cobalt and all that stuff and guy was working in he was debugging video games in the mid early 80s like it was mm. a dream job it was it was perfect mm-hmm. had this amazing wife played um semi-pro football went to went to college had a scholarship to play football at a big program it's like perfect and then and i remember saying to myself all right whatever dan's doing i'm gonna follow in his footsteps like his and then i i, I was graduating high school we went downtown and there was like a big street fair going on and i was looking and there's this window where they're handing out pizza it was like 12 45 at night and my brother is handing out pizza out of the kitchen hmm. and well, this was right after his divorce. He quit his job. He quit oh on the my. industry. This one thing after another, just boom, boom, boom. And then it's 1245 and he's basically working as a short order cook in a, in a, at a bar at like one in the morning. Mm. And I remember looking at that going, all right, whatever Dan does, I'm doing the opposite of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I mean, that's the it's best. It's almost as good to find the worst example of something than the best example. Um, I had a friend that every financial thing it looked like he ever invested in just didn't work. Okay. And, uh, I told, I joked with him, you know, I said, you know, I tell me what you're doing and I'll make sure not to do that. Right. Um, and then he invest, he just recently invested in Bitcoin and he's so pleased with himself because, uh, you know, it's almost doubled since what he invested in and now big institutional investors are getting into it. Um, it's becoming legitimate. It's the next gold as a hedge. And uh, he's so pleased with himself. I said, well, you know what? Let's see how much cash you have in the bank when you finally sell that stuff. You know, right. when you turn it into something that you can actually go to Costco and, 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 and buy some, uh, you know, buy some uh, roasted chicken with, you know, I mean, let's see what it turns into, you know, but anyway, maybe we should say in conclusion, Matt, I think we've been at this for about two hours and I'm sure about an hour hour and a half. We started. Oh, has it? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's true. We did start a little, little, uh, uh, later than we usually do, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there listening to this and hopefully I would recommend they do what I do, which is listen to it on your wireless headset or on your phone that you can carry around with you. And uh, maybe you've got the whole house cleaned by now, or you've, uh, or you've managed to put that puzzle together, or you've answered all your emails while we're talking. I don't know if that's a good idea. But um, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Do you think we should kind of wrap this session up? Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things you said gave me a great quote. And well, I guess we'll wrap it up on that quote. So I'm just encapsulating what you just said really mm. well, is the only thing better than a good example is a cautionary tale. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what, the question what do they is, say? 
you learn more from your mistakes than you do your successes, right? You do. You absolutely do. I was telling that somebody yesterday. I was like, you never learn by success. You learn by failure. Mm. And so the question is like, do you, would you, you know, do you want to be somebody else's cautionary tale? Or do you want to be somebody else's good example? And the best, best thing to do is you got to play defense. You got to plug up the leak of the boat first before you figure out how to cross the lake. And, um, you know, that's what I look at. I have friends of mine that are, that are great examples that I look at and I'm like, all right, I'm kind of always paying attention actively or passively and seeing what they're doing. And, you know, I might call them. I might just check in on them. I might see what they're doing online. Mm-hmm. And then I have others that I absolutely look at and go, stay on the other side of the ship. <laughs> like whatever they're doing, I'm loose not. Loose cannon. Why, well, but you, bad, you know, there are people I, that are loose cannons. There are, but I, I always say I don't, I don't judge people by good and bad people. I, they're mm. good and bad decision makers. Mm. And if I can help somebody become a good decision maker, I love doing that. If somebody can help me become a better decision maker, I love that even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but always make the decision and trying to figure out, is this potentially going to backfire in my face? Mm. You know, and they always say that discretion is the better part of valor. So it's like, you know, in the military, there's a term called fire discipline. You have 20 rounds in your M16. Only shoot it if you think you can hit the guy. <laughs> Don't go Rambo because you're going to run out of. <laughs> so yeah. but part of it, too, is you want to you want to have more of your choices be successful than unsuccessful because it builds morale. It kind of plants a flag in the ground. where You can say, I did this really well and give yourself the encouragement on the tough days. Mm-hmm. But if you're just if you're operating out of emotion, if you're operating out of jealousy, out of a lack of like a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. you're going to make bad decisions and it's probably not going to last very long. But if you sit here and say, OK, how can the current decision I'm going to think backfire in my face and what would I do if it backfires in my face? Then you're giving yourself, you know, kind of a better option, you know, yes. a better set of options. And, yes. and you're planning for the contingencies that you're eventually going to face. Because let's face it, if you make 10 decisions, two of them might work out. Eight of them are probably right. going to blow up in your face. So you got to plan for the eight. Right. Um, and that's what, and I'll leave it on this one. Anti-fragile. I'm going to hit that one. If you're listening mm. to this podcast, you got to read that book. He talks about a thing called a barbell. And this was his main decision-making visual. And so you think of it like... Um, you could either think a dumbbell, like something you grab in your hand, mm-hmm. or a barbell where it's like doing bench press. Mm-hmm. You have a bar in the middle, and then you have two big weights on either end. Mm-hmm. And it basically represents the risk, how risks are. So on one side, you have what they call a unicorn, which is like hitting the lottery. You buy one lottery ticket your whole life, and you, and you, and you hit it, you get $50 million, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably never going to happen. It's so unreal. The odds are so not in your favor, but the, the upside is ridiculous. Right. And then in the middle, you have all the, everything in the middle. And then the other side, you have a black swan event, which is just, it's your solar flare. The sun just goes dark, right? <laughs> Something crazy happens and it's, yeah. you can't predict it. COVID, you can't predict it. It's yeah. un, it, like you'll never bet on it at a roulette table, right? But it's a negative consequence. And so the key says, well, how do you, how do you pursue a decision when you have a unicorn and a black swan event and you have all this stuff in the middle? He said, well, it's mm-hmm. easy. We didn't say it's easy, but he said, what you want to do, the first thing you want to do is you want to isolate the decisions that will lead to that black swan event and make sure they never happen. Mm-hmm. So you're deciding, you're making a decision to exclude out the bad, the horrible outcomes. And right. he goes, what you have left is 
medium outcomes, that's your bar in the middle, and you have your, your once in a blue moon, once in a billion risk of a unicorn. And so you're making decisions to preclude the bad outcome and you're allowing everything else to be a neutral or a good outcome. Mm. And so it's like, you know, I'm riding to the grocery store. Do I put the seatbelt on? Well, I'm only going to the store. Well, the negative outcome is some guy that T-bones me and I'm paralyzed for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. right? So as a business owner, any decision you make, and this is true for your life as well, is this decision, will this decision have a negative outcome for me emotionally, financially? Uh, I don't know, any other dimension you want to use and you want to get mm-hmm. rid of those. And sometimes not acting is the best option. Yeah. Sometimes just waiting and seeing what happens, letting, you know, it's like you're playing blackjack, the dealer is sitting at 50 or at 15. Don't hit, let the dealer go out. Or the dealer sitting at 13 because the dealer has to hit. Mm-hmm. Let the dealer go bust. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to get the best card. You just have to let him fail. Right. And so, so, you know, think about that as you're making decisions today. You don't have to make the decision. Sometimes it's going to work out for you. Sometimes that decision is going to give you MRSA, right? (laughs) (laughs) So think about that today and and just remember that, you know, things are always going to go on an upward trajectory, the better decision you make. So really Mm -hmm. it's just trying to make the best decision for a positive, but Mm -hmm. also making sure that you're, you know, not doing anything that inadvertently has a negative outcome in your life. Right. So, so what you're saying is lift the dumbbell. Don't be a dumbbell. Oh, love it. That's all right. We're going to, I love that. That might be the title to this episode. All right. All right. Well, anyway, with that being said, we're going to wrap this up today. My name is Matt. And my name is Al. And we'll see you soon. All right. Signing off. Thank you for joining us today on the Halcyon Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey. So take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.